Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. you a chance also I'm, I'm not sure if you've heard the u.s state department um you know they would not explicitly say whether palestinians have a right to self-defense when they were asked about that yesterday's briefing what do you make of how the u.s and the international community has responded to what is happening to your family they are saying the spokesperson for the state department is saying today that you have a right to safety and security while israel has a right to self-defense what do you say to u.s officials in the international community the United States has waged more wars than there are Hamas members. Um, I don't wait for the United States to tell me what constitutes as self-defense and what not constitutes as self-defense. Um, that is not where my moral compass stems from. Um, I don't think the, the, the United States is in position, giving all of the genocides and wars it's partaking in, to say something about who has a right to self-defense. QT gas station on Selenese around 9.30 at night, they are out of gas. Everybody sitting here is not getting gas. Everything except diesel is out, what they just told me.
And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 13th of May, year of our Lord, 2021. And I wasn't planning to go until next week. I'm sitting on the couch. The world's pretty crazy right now. Wife's painting, and she goes, honey, why don't you go podcast? You got a show together. I think she wanted to take over the TV. But either way, came across nice. And here I am. Israel in a mess. We don't have gas. Media on the wrong side of everything. I figure, you know, I'm going to do a two cents podcast on a couple subjects. It won't be as super long as usual, but it'll definitely be a podcast. And we'll cover the world as we see it. Now, the media wants to cover Liz Cheney first. Then Israel is an evil country. And then, yeah, the, 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 don't worry about the gas. That's not important. But we're going to start with Israel. For me, this is the current theme that has always been with the Democratic Party. The wrong side of history. I mean, I could just make a funny out of it with the simple fact that when Mitt Romney, somebody I didn't like, but I was voting against Obama's policies once again, said that, you know, they're an enemy. Obama joked, oh, yeah, the 80s are talking to you about your foreign policy. Now, every possible thing that could go wrong in the world is Russia. We know they side with Iran for whatever reason. I don't, I've said cynically the, you know, uh, his aide. Uh, she's an Iranian, but for some reason they just they just do the wrong thing. So, what the media is not going to tell you on this, as Ben Rhodes starts us off with this fucking tripe. Just try a moment to look through the world through the eyes of Palestinian children. Well, in a second we'll see that I can look through it through a, a Israeli child because the reality is. Hamas, who got money from the Biden administration, started launching shit again. And we actually have articles. They they even admit they're getting the money and the rockets from Iran. They have gotten technology they never had. Before, it was just a fucking rocket stick on the ground. You light it, you hope you, you don't know where it's going to go. Kind of what we dealt with when we were in, in Afghanistan. This is technology. And they got it from Iran, who Biden wants to give more money to. But yet the whole world goes, hey, you give money to Iran, more terrorism. That's why you don't give money to Iran. You, you give my, Iran money, they make a nuclear bomb. They just don't understand it. It is non-fucking-stop stupidity. This kind of stuff here, I, I don't even understand. You can have this online. But Donald Trump had to be taken out because Twitter said he was a threat and Liz Cheney said he's a threat and he's a threat. We got to get rid of him. They just had, you heard the intro, they're happy. Ali Akbar, woo, this is good shit. Hamas leaders, Katie Pavlich. Why? I, 
I just don't understand how you could be this wrong on history. These people are not your friends. You see a lot of the hoary claims of human shields in Gaza to justify Israel's deliberate and indiscriminate bombardment of civilians. They use the same line in 2006, Lebanon war and multiple wars in Gaza. Don't fall for it. This is Sarah Lee Whitson. She's an Omar. Omar and company. I'm not even going to read their tribe. I could. This is a hundred fucking tweets of just the poor Palestinians who were shooting insane amount of rockets. Palestinian Islamic Jihad official. Iran is giving us the rockets we use to attack Israel. The marks are revealed by various watchdogs who monitor foreign media for the purpose of tracking extremists and come as Palestinian terrorists have fired well over a thousand rockets at Israel in a week. Yesterday and day, the IDF attacked hundreds of Hamas and Islamic Jihad's targets in the Gaza Strip. We've eliminated dozens of terrorists, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and they're the bad guys. David A. Dowd, Palestinian Islamic Jihad Quds Force Brigade spokesman, thanks Resistance Axis, headed by Islamic Republic of Iran for the addition of the Badr Three missile to PU Arsenal. I'm not playing it because why would I? It's in fucking Arab. Hamas official probably tells people to buy knives and cut Jews head off. But they're our friends. These are Jerusalem. He wants you to cut off the heads of Jews with knives. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. That guy's a good guy. Look at this. Look how many rockets, but Israel's the bad guy. They were just sitting there. They just start lobbing rockets. Great look for Biden. Long, complicated record on Iran from Nahalt Usi, March 2nd. He also spoke of how ordinary Iranians had held candlelight vigils for the victims of September 11th attack and how the countries had cooperated to some degree. Till... In the weeks of 9-11, Biden suggested to aides that maybe America should make a grand gesture of sorts to region after suspicious of motives. Seems to me this would be a good time to send no strings attached a check for $200 million to Iran. That's Biden. Wrong side of history. Wrong side of history. He's always on the wrong side side of history he's so not in here people are asking usually conservatives some level where the fuck is he when the war is going i mean we got a war we have a fucking war happening on the earth that we had peace under mean tweet i mean he was just so mean we got to get rid of him hundreds of tweets where the fuck is he what is he doing when he does come out, Biden says Israel has a right to defend itself. But in the same sentence, they say atrocities. Israel's got atrocities all of a sudden. This our media isn't talking about. Out of the thousand rockets that Hamas launched from the Gaza Strip into Israel, cities allowed. Akan and Tel Aviv, nearly 200 exploded inside the Gaza itself, leading to civilian, civilian casualties in Palestine and Palestinians. And there you go. Human shields. Oh, the human shield. Oh, that's fucking horrible. Israelis shouldn't be bombing. I'm going to play something that's going to blow your mind, and I hate giving my show to somebody else. But before I play the media responses and all the lies you're going to hear that are worse than the intro, dude, Here's a guy 
that's Jewish and actually knows what the fuck's going on on the ground. So overnight, hundreds more rocket attacks on Israel by Hamas, which is a terrorist group. A little bit of history for you. Hamas is an openly genocidal group. They have said over and over and over that they wish for Israel not to exist. This is not a conflict over land. This is not a conflict over borders. This is not a conflict over a right to return. This is a conflict in which one side wishes to destroy the other side utterly and completely. And this has been their long stated goal. And they were about to win an election, by the way, in the West Bank, which is the reason for all of this. The, the recent history here is that in late April, Mahmoud Abbas, who again is a terrorist, Mahmoud Abbas treated as a legit, a legit world leader by much of the world community, but is not. Mahmoud Abbas, the head of the Palestinian Authority, which is a terrorist organization, but a slightly less terrorist organization than Hamas, he had declared that there would be elections in April, the first elections since 2004. He is now in the 16th year of a four-year term, Mahmoud Abbas. So he declared elections, then it appeared he was going to lose. So he canceled the elections in late April and blamed the Jews, because this is what you do if you are a Palestinian leader who is suddenly got their feet to the fire. So Mahmoud Abbas cancels the election, he blames the Jews, and he starts ramping up calls for violence. Hamas, not to be outdone, because the way that you apparently garner support is to show that you hate the Jews even more than the guy next to you. Hamas decides they are going to ramp up the violence. This all culminates in violence on the Temple Mount, spurred by Hamas, spurred by Fatah, people using the Al-Aqsa Mosque, a holy site to Muslims, as an actual staging base to perform acts of terrorism and violence against police officers, Israeli police officers. And then when Israel goes in to stop that, then the rocket fire begins from Hamas, which has decided to up the ante. So number one, let's just recognize a quick truth. None of this would be happening right now in terms of this heavy rocket fire from Gaza if Israel had not unilaterally made the concession in 2005 to pull out of the Gaza Strip completely. Remember, Israel had Jewish areas of the Gaza, there were Jewish areas in the northern Gaza Strip. There were these little cities in the northern Gaza Strip they had greenhouses. They were quite prosperous. In 2005, Israel unilaterally withdrew in order, supposedly, to push for a new peace deal. The idea was going to be, look, Israel is giving up this land, and now it's another, it's another stone in the wall of peace that's going to be built right here. Instead, Hamas immediately rushed in, burned all the greenhouses, and then started building up its rocket bases for use against the state of Israel. And what this has resulted in is most of Israel is now under the umbrella of terror. From the north, Israel is under the umbrella of Hezbollah which is an Iranian-backed terror group in Lebanon. They have apparently 150,000 rockets. If you think it's bad right now with Hamas firing hundreds of rockets a day, wait until it's Hezbollah firing thousands of rockets a day. And then from the south, they are under assault from Hamas, a terrorist group located in the Gaza Strip. Palestinian Islamic Jihad is located in both Judea, Samaria, the West Bank, and the Gaza Strip. So Israel, Israeli citizens basically live under the constant threat that at any moment things could go up in flames and all of a sudden they could be living underground. So I was texting with a bunch of friends in Israel last night who were literally texting from bunkers. Many of them had been giving 45 second, 60 second, 90 second warnings to get underground as soon as humanly possible because the fact is that Israel is a tiny, tiny country. Okay? And it is a tiny country surrounded by malevolent countries that do not wish it, do not wish it well. This is why the Trump breakthrough in terms of actually creating alliances and helping to foster alliances between Israel and places like the United Arab Emirates and places like Sudan and places like Morocco, why this was such a good thing. The Biden administration immediately blew it. OK, so there are a few events that led up to this. One was Abbas canceling the election and then having to demonstrate to the Palestinians that mostly it was Israel and we need to blame Israel and let's have a competition as to who hates Israel most. It's also a smart move by Abbas in the sense that Hamas in going all the way in shooting rockets into Israel was going to be also the chief recipient of Israeli return fire. 
So Abbas is basically having the Israelis do his dirty work by killing off all of Hamas's leadership. So this is one of the things that's happening as well. The other thing that happened is that the Biden administration, upon entering office, immediately signified that it wanted to push Israel into making concessions to these terror groups, that it would restore funding to the UNRWA, which is an agency specifically dedicated toward fostering Palestinian extremism, that the, that the United States would restore $290 million worth of foreign aid to the Palestinian Authority, much of which would be used for, for terrorism and fostering of terrorism. Okay, so the United States basically reopened the door. The Trump administration said, no, we are making very clear who our allies are here, and if you engage in terror, the money ain't coming your way. And things were calm, and things were quiet. And then the Biden administration came in, and within months, you have this massive conflagration, which is now on the verge of all-out war. And the reason it's on the verge of all-out war is because Israel literally has millions of its citizens now living underground. Okay, so to understand this conflict, the thing you really need to understand is the map. Okay, so there are a few maps I'm going to show you right now. The first map shows you the actual range of fire from Gaza, okay, the distances from the Gaza Strip to various Israeli cities. Okay, what you will see here is that the distances are tiny. Israel is a tiny postage stamp of a country. The distance from Gaza, the Gaza Strip, which is located in the in the southwest corner of Israel, the the so the the distance from the Gaza Strip to Ashkelon, which is a city that has been under steady rocket fire over the course of the last three days, is about 13 miles. That's the distance, 13 miles. The distance from the Gaza Strip to Tel Aviv, this was considered a, a long shot for Hamas until recently. That distance is about 44 miles. Okay, not a long, uh, less, than a, less than an hour car ride. Significantly less than an hour car ride. The distance from Gaza to Jerusalem, which is sort of in the center of the country, is only 47 miles. From Gaza to Ashdod, it's 24 miles. Okay, what does this mean? It means that when you fire rockets, people have pretty much no warning. Okay, here is a map of the warning times when a rocket is fired. Okay, if a rocket were to be fired from essentially Gaza to Ashdod, you'd be talking about at most 30 seconds of warning time. If you're talking about Gaza to Jerusalem, you're talking about 1.5 minutes of warning time, about 90 seconds of warning time. If you're talking about to Tel Aviv, about the same, a little bit under 90 seconds of warning time. That means that if you're woken up at 3 a.m. by a rocket siren going off, you now have 90 seconds to grab your kids and get down into a bomb shelter before the rockets start to hit. Okay, so Hamas, knowing this, has been firing hundreds of rockets into Israel. The reason they're firing hundreds of rockets simultaneously is because their goal is to overwhelm Israel's iron defense system. So Israel has an iron uh, iron dome system. It's called the iron dome system. And the iron dome system is largely relegated to shooting down missiles that are going to land in populated areas. So Tel Aviv has an iron dome system. Jerusalem has an iron dome system. And it's very effective. It shoots down about 90% of these rockets. But here's the problem. As you increase the number of rockets that are fired, the additional 10% in absolute number starts to go up. So here is a map of the rocket alerts. These are the sirens just over the last 30, this is over a 30 minute period last night. As you can see, the entire map is red, right? The entire map from Ashdod in the south all the way up to Hadera in the north is completely is completely red. Okay, the reason is because they were firing hundreds of rockets. They fired over a thousand rockets over the course of the last 36 hours from the Gaza Strip into Israel. They don't care who they hit. Okay, they don't care. Last night, Hamas killed an Israeli Arab father and seven-year-old girl in Lod, which is a city that right now is actually in, in the middle of, of race riots, essentially. Okay, so Hamas started this conflict. Hamas clearly started the conflict. And now Israel has no choice. If, and no country can sustain this. 
Right? No country can allow its citizenry to be put underground by a terrorist group. Israel has every moral obligation to go in and decapitate the entire Hamas regime. What comes next? Who the hell knows? But Israel has a moral obligation to go in and kill every Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad leader they can find. And in fact, this is what Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, is saying. It's not just Netanyahu. It's not just about Netanyahu. Yair Lapid, who's in the opposition, feels the same way. The Benny Gantz, who's in the opposition, feels the same way. He's the current defense minister. Okay, the, the, there's widespread Israeli acknowledgement that just like if you in your city were put underground by a terrorist group living across the border and you're told that you had to live in the basement and you were going to live in, under constant rocket fire, you would expect the American government to go and eviscerate that regime. Well, the same thing should be expected of any decent state. And Israel, of course, has a moral obligation to defend its own citizens, as even most members of the West acknowledge. Now, most members of the West also then participate in this moral equivalence game where they pretend that Israel is somehow an aggressor here, which is a complete lie. But as Israel does have the obligation to do this. Benjamin Netanyahu came out yesterday and said, yeah, we are not going to stop anytime soon. Like, if you think that you're going to get a ceasefire here, no, the answer is no. You don't get to fire thousands of rockets into Israel and then survive. That's not just that's not something that you get to do. Over 850 rockets have crossed into Israeli territory after being launched from Gaza. By the way, how little does Hamas care about its own citizens? When people say it's terrible for the Palestinians, that's true. The Palestinians are not of concern to Hamas. Hamas does not care. 200 of the rockets that they fired fell into Gaza. Okay, they fired 200 rockets that landed on their own people. They don't care. So Defense Minister Benny Gantz said that the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, will continue striking Gaza until it can bring a complete and long-term peace during a visit to Ashkelon on Wednesday. He said in the last few hours, the IDF has carried out a series of significant attacks. We've attacked squads of commanders and significant Hamas infrastructure. We'll continue to protect all residents of Israel. We've attacked many hundreds of targets. Towers are falling. Factories are collapsing. Tunnels are being destroyed. Commanders are assassinated. All the means and all the options are on the table. There's a lot more activity in the bank. He said the IDF will continue to attack and bring a complete long-term peace. Only when we achieve this goal can we talk about calm. There is currently no end date. We will not accept moral sermons from any organization or institution about our right and duty to protect Israeli citizens. Again, Benny Gantz is, is opposition to Benjamin Netanyahu. This is not about Netanyahu. This is not about Likud. Gantz is not a member of Likud. There's widespread Israeli sentiment, as there would be in the United States, that if Democrat or Republican, there, there were hundreds of rockets falling on San Diego from Mexico, there would be a widespread sentiment the United States government needs to go in and pacify the folks who are doing that. Well, the same thing is happening in Israel Right now, to that end, Israel has knocked out several commanders of the of Hamas and Islamic Jihad. They'll continue to do that. Hey, well, we actually have video of what's been happening in the Gaza Strip. So a few things. One, Hamas is one of the most evil groups on Earth. They fire rockets deliberately from civilian areas. They, they deliberately fire rockets from civilian areas because they know that if Israel were to respond, Israel would have to kill civilians in order to stop the rocket fire. And they know that Israel is loath to do that because Israel is actually a moral state as opposed to Hamas, which is a deeply, deeply evil group. Here's video of Hamas firing rockets from the middle of civilian areas. These are, these are civilian apartment buildings that are surrounding the, the firing sites for the Gaza Strip. You can see these are apartment buildings, right? This is right in the middle of a populated area. They're firing these rockets directly from the middle of streets in the Gaza Strip. The goal here is that if Israel were to take out those batteries, then Israel would have to hit those civilian areas. Hey, and by the way, a few other notes. You'll notice that when these rockets are being fired, in the tapes, you will see that there are onlookers. And these onlookers are not are, are, are not just kind of watching this go on. They're shouting Allahu Akbar. Right? They're onlookers who are shouting their celebration that these rockets are being fired on Israel. Now, Israelis 
require that their government actually defend them, obviously, because any government should defend its citizens. But you're not going to see Israelis out in the streets cheering as rockets or as bombs fall on Hamas buildings. Just as the United States, there is no cheering in the streets when the United States was bombing the Taliban. Okay, because that is something that you do more in sorrow than in anger, right? Something you don't want to do it, except apparently if, if rockets are being fired on random Jews. Remember, these are not rockets that are targeted at military sites in Israel. These are rockets that are, that are being randomly fired toward the most populated areas of Israel. They don't care who they kill. Israeli Arab, doesn't matter. Babies, it doesn't matter. They do not care. They don't care. It is that simple. And here are the onlookers shouting Allahu Akbar as these rockets go off to presumably attempt to kill as many children and, and women and innocents and civilians as possible. These sets of, of rockets being fired off and people celebrating and cheering. What is it like? But don't worry, there's moral equivalence according to the West. Okay, so. In a second, we'll show you some more footage of what is going on over in Israel, and then we'll get to the insanity of a West that somehow declares moral equivalence here. It is quite wild. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, let's talk about a simple fact. If you're a responsible person, you need life insurance, right? It's just something you need. You want to make sure that your family is taken care of in case, God forbid, something should happen to you. Well, Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. Why compare? Well, you can save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. You could save $1,300 or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies, so you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. First, head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro in minutes. You can work out how much life insurance coverage you need. You can compare personalized quotes and find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork and the scheduling for free. Policy Genius never sells your information to other companies. They don't add on extra fees. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice and very important to get it right. Go get the life insurance you need at the best available price. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Go check them out right now. Alrighty, so. Israel has this miraculous system called Iron Dome. It's been able to shoot down the vast majority of these rockets that enter over civilian areas. The footage is astonishing. Here's a, some of the footage of rockets over Tel Aviv. You can see in this footage, the rockets that are, that are flying over Tel Aviv. And then you can see other anti-missiles essentially coming up from the ground and knocking, it's a bullet hitting a bullet with like 90% efficacy. It's unbelievable. The efficiency is incredible. It looks like something from Star Wars because it is, in fact, there are. Israelis who are still retaining their sense of humor, who, uh, who put the Star Wars theme music over what Iron Dome has been doing here. The goal here, of course, is to overwhelm Iron Dome by firing so many rockets simultaneously that the Iron Dome system is not capable of knocking out all the rockets at once. But imagine this happening over a city where you live. Imagine that there's just a bunch of rockets and all you can do is sit there and wait for the thing to fall on you or for Iron Dome to shoot it down. And in some cases, obviously, it hasn't worked. There's a direct impact, for example, on a school in Ashkelon. See, here's the difference between the Israelis and the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip, Hamas, the Palestinian rulership in the Gaza Strip, Hamas. The difference is that the Israelis specifically avoid targeting schools, right? The, and the, 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 Hamas, the, the Hamas terrorists literally put their military bases in schools. That, that is the difference. So this is a school that was hit directly by a rocket. Thank God all the kids were not there. Otherwise, presumably hundreds of kids would have been killed. They were also firing at Ben-Gurion Airport. They were trying to kill as many people as possible and to shut down air travel to the state of Israel. 
So this is actual footage from Ben Gurion Airport. You can see the rockets firing over Ben Gurion Airport, and you can see them being shot down by the Iron Dome system. Over in Cholon, which is a which is an outskirt of Tel Aviv, again, this is about 45 miles from from the Gaza Strip. Uh, a, a bus was hit directly by rocket fire. Apparently, one person was killed in this in this particular attack. You can see the bus flaming from the rocket fire. Another Hamas rocket hit the Trans-Israel oil pipeline, uh, which, of course, does no good to the citizens of the Gaza Strip because some of them actually get their power from this sort of thing. And so it set the, uh, the Trans-Israel pipeline on fire. And meanwhile, is it, here's how is it, so that's how Hamas treats this conflict, right? Just shoot rockets everywhere, see if you can hit anything. It's basically the game of Battleship. You just randomly just shoot things at, th- at people and hope that it hits somebody. And here is how Israel handles this stuff. So here is tape of a Palestinian security guard being called by the Israeli military and told, get everybody out of this building. We know that Hamas uses this building, so we're knocking down the building. That's literally what's happening here. Israel calls minutes before they're about to hit a building. They call whoever they can get and they say, get all the civilians out. He's saying at least two to three hours, no one should come close. So I should go to the other building and not let anyone come close. No problem, no problem. So first, one shot warning and then two missiles. I'm asking, you mean first you'll warn and then you'll hit the building? I just want to make sure that there's no one inside. Okay, so this is a person talking to the Israeli military. The Israeli military is literally giving up the element of surprise, which is the number one element in warfare, particularly when you're talking about terrorists who are embedded in the middle of civilian populations. They're saying, okay, we'd rather not kill the terrorists who will then fire more rockets on us in order to get the civilians out of the way. Okay, and then the propaganda that is printed by the media is that Israel is knocking down towers without any mention of this sort of stuff. Okay, so here Hamas put out this video of Israel knocking down this apartment complex, right? Hitting this apartment complex. Israel, you know how they know that that apartment, why do they know where to train the camera? How do they know where to train the camera? The answer is they know where to train the camera because Israel dropped a knock bomb on top of that. A knock bomb is a bomb that is designed not to penetrate the top layer of the apartment complex. They drop a bomb, it shakes the building, doesn't break the building, everybody gets out, and then they knock down the building. So that is how Israel treats all of this. Meanwhile, in what is actually the most devastating element of all of this, not the not the actual terror attacks from Hamas, which is somewhat expected. The, the most devastating part of all of this is the situation in Lod. So Israel has about 20% of its population is Arab, about 80% of its population is Jewish. And typically in Israel, those populations don't live in close proximity with one another. Typically you'll have sort of a Jewish city and then an Arab city that's right across the way, right? That's fairly typical in Israel. Hey, there are a couple cities that are an exception to this rule. One of those cities is Lod. Lod is considered sort of a model city in this way. And it is kind of amazing. I mean, last time I was in Israel a couple of years ago, my cell phone broke. I had to go to the nearest mall that had some sort of cell phone repair shop. And that mall happened to be in Lod. So I went there and Orthodox Jews walking around the same malls as Arabs and, and everybody getting along. And basically that city is 70% Jewish, 30% Arab. And everybody lives in pretty close quarters. Well, now... Thanks to Hamas and Fatah ramping up the violence, there were riots in the city of Lod in which Arab citizens were going out and burning down synagogues. Two separate synagogues were burned down. Three Jewish schools were burned down. And a bunch of Jews were threatened in their own homes, requiring evacuation by the IDF. And now a state of emergency has been declared in Lod, which, again, was a was a city in which people were basically living together fine. Now a state of emergency was declared in Lod. 
with Defense Minister Benny Gantz, according to the Jerusalem Post, announcing the deployment of several border police units to help quell violence that saw the burning of three synagogues and dozens of cars. At least two people were in serious condition from the clashes, one from rocks. In Akko, which is another city, that's actually where I got married. It's another mixed Arab Jewish city in northern Israel. An 84-year-old man was seriously hurt when a restaurant was set on fire by rioters. Some 25 residents of Ramla and Lod were arrested on Tuesday night. According to police spokesperson, 151 were arrested in total within the central northern district of Israel. Lod Mayor Yair Revivo said we've lost control of the city and the streets. Israel Police Chief Kobi Shabtai said we've not seen this kind of violence since October 2000, which was the last intifada. Uri Buri is a popular Jewish-owned fish restaurant in, in Acker that uh, had been set ablaze as well. It's in Akko. Uh, it had been set in ablaze in Yafo. There's been violence so internecine racial violence has now been taking place, prompted presumably, not presumably, realistically by Arab citizens who are in solidarity with Hamas and with Fatah. Okay, all of this is disastrous. And so the question becomes, why exactly is all this happening right now? Why is all this happening right now? We'll get to the answer to that in just one second first. Now, I know that's 20 minutes. That's how they handle it. While Hamas, with the peaceful Palestinians that are just victims of a genocide, you will hear, are lobbing thousands of rockets indiscriminately into civilian sectors with the sole intent of killing civilians. But they're the victim. Our media will spend all its time saying stuff like this because they don't give a fuck. Greg Price, something to keep in mind about the situation in Gaza is that, is that this is the first time Hamas has fired rockets at Jerusalem since 2014. As also comes a few weeks after Joe Biden restored millions in funding to Palestinian orgs on the grounds that the Trump admin froze. Here's Omar. You can just read for yourself. They are so anti-Semitic, because that's what I call it. There's nothing else to say about it. They're just anti-Semites. They just are anti-Semites. Everything she writes is totally incorrect, faulty. I mean, I can understand you don't want either side, or you're rooting for each side, and you feel butthurt over the way things... The, you know, the world community fucked this up, sure, but that, we're here. We're here. This is the world we live in, and they have the right to be a country. They have the right to be a country. Whether you like it or not. But our media, who, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna inundate you with, with sound bites. It is just on the wrong side, decrying Israel, uh, the idiot and Trevor Noah running his cock trap. Uh, celebrities, I could put up all their stuff. Uh, all these celebrities who know nothing, they're all, fuck Israel, fuck Israel. Teen Vogue says Israel's statement of Palestinian mirrors that of American police officer and unarmed black. The history of police violence enacted on unarmed black and brown citizens by American law enforcement mirrors. The history of Israel treating Palestinians as violent insurgents. Oh, really? Well, partly you're right, because... Everybody who ends up getting shot other than the 19 all last year are armed shooting at the cops. So maybe maybe you're on that. Wonder Woman Gadot gets fucked with because she is Jewish. So fuck Gal Gadot. 
That was all over Twitter because she spoke up. She can't have an opinion. Only the opinion we tell you to have is the opinion you can say on Twitter. And as stated, Donald Trump cannot be on any fucking source of social media because he incites violence. And all you have to go, Khomeini, every one of them, just search them on Twitter, kill them fucking dirty Jews, and chop their heads off. I have to question the left's ability to be anti-Semitic. They are fully anti-Semitic because every time this comes up, this is what you're going to hear. Israel's air power on full display. As Gaza's tallest building turned to rubble in an instant. It followed yet another day of tit-for-tat attacks, where Hamas fires its crude rockets indiscriminately into Israeli territory, only to be met with the full force of Israel's sophisticated weaponry. The death toll is rising on both sides, with civilians caught in the middle, like Faraz al-Ghul. You must be terrified. It is. Originally from Dallas, he's now trapped inside Gaza with his pregnant wife. Deep down, you know, she wants what's best for me. I don't know is if that an airstrike? That is an airstrike. Yeah, wow. I just heard two large bangs. A different terror is also unfolding across Israel. Here in Bat Yam, an Arab Israeli man is beaten by a mob of Jewish Israelis, while in places like Lod and Acker, it's neighbor versus neighbor attacking each other's homes, businesses, and places of worship. This rabbi calls the situation. Just after nine this evening, rockets fired from Gaza lit up the sky over Tel Aviv. Down on the ground, sirens wailed and people ran for cover. One woman was killed in the attack. And tonight, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu warned that Hamas and Islamic Jihad would pay a heavy price. The Palestinian citizens of Gaza have already paid a heavy price. All day, Israeli airstrikes pounded the territory, officially targeting military installations. But civilian buildings were destroyed too. The Palestinians say more than 220 people were injured and 32 were killed. Ten of them children. In retaliation, Hamas rained more than 400 rockets down on Israel. The damage they did was limited by Israeli interceptor rockets, the so-called Iron Dome, which blew most of them to pieces before they landed. Tonight, that image, Israeli missiles leveling an apartment building in Gaza, smoke soaring skyward. Sources telling ABC News the building had been evacuated, a drone surveying the scene to make sure people were out. Israel launching 500 airstrikes on what it said were Hamas and Islamic Jihad military targets. And just hours ago, swarms of Hamas rockets streaming into central Israel, lighting up the night sky. Sirens in Tel Aviv sending residents racing for cover, the Israeli Foreign Ministry tweeting this video. Hamas launching more than 500 rockets, most intercepted by Israel's... Tonight in the Holy Land, wow, one of the most dangerous escalations in years. After Israeli missiles killed at least 20 people in the Gaza Strip, including nine children, according to Gazan health officials. Israel's attack retaliation for these rockets, as many as 150 of them, launched at Jerusalem by the Palestinian militant group Hamas. America's new president hasn't said much about the conflict, but he may have to. 
Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu vowing tonight those who attack us will pay a heavy price. A pledge that might push Biden's White House to get involved. In the late afternoon, a barrage of Hamas rockets streaked out of Gaza toward Jerusalem. They appeared to do minimal damage. But Israel responded immediately with airstrikes, which the Palestinians say injured and killed civilians, including nine children. Air raid sirens wailing as Israelis took cover in their homes. A children's ballet class huddled in a classroom. Amazingly, no one was hurt. Most of the rockets stopped by Israel's defense system, the Iron Dome. But retaliation was swift and deadly. Israeli airstrikes hitting Gaza within hours. The Palestinians saying at least 20 people were killed, including three children. The Israelis saying only... Israel is the most powerful nation in the Middle East by far. It is essentially a regional superpower. So what the Palestinians have to, I mean, they're, they're frustrated. They're trying to get, uh, get some kind of attention. They, in my opinion, often do uh, self-defeating things. Uh, this kind of, these kind of rocket attacks only move Israelis to the right. But ultimately, this thing is only going to be uh, solved if Israel decides that it wants to, as a, as a matter of morality, it, does, it wants to give rights to Palestinians. I can play hours. I could put up hundreds of tweets from Omar, Tlaib, Pressler, factually incorrect, factually wrong. They literally start with the same stuff they do to conservatives. All of a sudden, Israel's just sitting there, and they get up and go, let's go drop bombs on the Palestinians, because that's we got nothing better to do. Yeah, let's do a jid. Woohoo! And they pull out the Confederate flag, and they go chop the shit off. When the actual inverse is true, a bunch of goddamn terrorists pull out their flag and decide we're just going to kill civilians because we can. And the worst part about it is that the Biden administration is funding this. And nobody in the media will say, hey, you gave money to Iran, you gave money to Hamas, and then bombs drop, but mean guy tweets, no bombs were dropping. A good friend of mine literally went over there after the 2014, and he said what ended up happening is Israel made it the moon and cleared space to back them off. Now, because of Iran, you can't back them off, as Ben Shapiro shows. You can't. They have modern weaponry, killing civilians. And in every report, they under-report. They focus on the Palestinians more. It's just, you know, Israel is just a big bully. And then you get this kind of bullshit from fucking the press secretary. A bit of a shift in tone uh, out of the White House in the last 24 hours. Yesterday, we were told there aren't supply shortages. It's a supply crunch. It will be short-lived. Now you all are describing it as supply shortages. Uh, is the impact of this hack more than you anticipated? Well, I would say on Monday, we said, on Monday afternoon, so 48 hours ago, uh, we said, at this moment, there is not a supply shortage. That was accurate at this moment. We also said that we are continuing to monitor very closely what the impact will be. And one of the reasons that we acted as quickly as we did, convening 
uh, interagency calls through the weekend determining what levers could be used uh, very quickly and rapidly according to historic standards to uh, help put in place contingency plans to ensure we reduce the impact on the American people uh, is because uh, we, we had to anticipate there could be a range of impacts. We could not predict when the company would be able to come back online. Uh, they obviously need to make those determinations themselves. So our role is not to determine that on their behalf. It's to make preparations to uh, help and reduce the impact on the American. That's the gas one for this. And I don't know if I have it in right order or not. I don't think I do. Maybe I do. Hold on a second. I think I fucked this up. This is what most America. I remember I voted for Trump, but I wasn't mega. This is our first hundred days. That's what we're made for, says Jen Psaki, when asked if President Biden is overwhelmed by the multiple crisis and we don't see him. And I'm going to say something that's really going to hurt some feelings. Um, this isn't a glitch. This is by design. All of this. They want the Palestinians to have more pro- more power. They want us not to have, as we segue, gas. They want us to fucking literally go green. And so, you know, all this, we don't have shortages. We do have so shortages. Well, blah, blah, blah. And when you say, no, Tony, no president wants people. I lived here when we had an ice storm under Obama. By the time fucking um, FEMA showed up, there was an air base an airfield on Fort Campbell that was full of generators and everything that never got to anybody. People were without power in most of Kentucky for over 10 days. Nobody in the media talked about it other than Fox. Nobody cared about it. Biden or Obama or Biden or anybody in that administration, nobody showed up. Because as you're about to see with Jennifer Graham Holm, they don't care about parts of the country that don't vote for them. All they care about is their demographics. Remember, this is the old confederacy. Fuck them if they don't have gas. And we don't want them to have gas because it's all about the green. Can you uh, tell us uh, what is the feasibility of using rail cars to transport fuel into the affected areas? I know that's being looked at. Yeah, um... The DOT is looking at that, and so we'll have to wait till their analysis is done. Um, these these are not easy solutions because um, there may or may not be the right uh, rail cars. There may not or may not be the deep water ports available for the Jones Act to be able to respond. So this particular area of the country, there. This is why we have um, doubled down on ensuring that there's an ability to truck uh, oil in, gas in. 
but it's it's uh, the pipe is the best way to go. And so obviously, we have the acute issues with the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack. But looking more holistically in a macro view, how does this speed up the efforts at DOE to move in more of a renewable direction? Since this is going to have an impact on people at the pump. Yeah, I mean, we obviously are all in on making sure that we meet the president's goals of getting to 100% clean electricity by 2035 and uh, net zero carbon emissions by 2050. And, um, you know, if you drive an electric car, this would not be affecting you, clearly. Um, but it's very, very close contact with Colonial Pipeline, which is the one area you're talking about where the one of the reasons the gasoline prices are going up. And I think you're going to hear some good news in the next 24 hours. And I think we'll be getting that under control. Secondly, um, uh, I have, uh, in the meantime, made it easier for us to have lifted some of the restrictions on the transportation of fuel, as well as access to the United States military providing fuel and with vehicles to get it there where places where it's badly needed. And. Um, I'd also point out that I think what this shows is that uh, I think we have to uh, make a greater investment in education as it relates to being able to train and graduate more people proficient in cybersecurity. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a cunt. That's a cunt. There are people without gas on side of highways down here, and you're smirking. Because all these fuckers care about is changing everything and making us green. Here's John Kerry doing about the same thing, and he's admitting we're going to use slave labor because solar panels and shit are way more important than anything else. Lincoln and Pompeo both said that the CCP is committing genocide against the Uyghur Muslim population last month, this committee uh, marked up uh, a bill I introduced along with uh, Chairman Meeks condemning this genocide. You recently said that uh, uh, we're quoted saying we have other differences on human rights, but those that should not get in the way of something that is critical as dealing with climate. And I know you can try to compartmentalize it. The problem is it's, it's, it's intertwined because when you look at the supply chain and you look at China, they dominate the cr critical mineral supply and solar supply chains all coming out of the Xinjiang province, which um, we believe is using slave labor to create these renewable energy sources. So my question to you is, um, how can you assure us or ensure that, that, that this uh, quest that we're on, uh, that, that slave labor coming out of China, where genocide is taking place as we speak, are never a part of the climate solution in the United States? Uh, you're absolutely correct, uh, Ranking Member McCall. You're, uh, it is a problem. Xinjiang province not only produces some of the solar panels that we believe are being, in some cases, produced in forced labor by Uyghurs, but also um, uh, there are a significant amount of uh, uh, rare earth mineral that's used in the solar panels themselves. Uh, it is my understanding that the Biden administration is right now in the process of assessing whether or not that will be the target of sanctions. Um, I've heard some discussion about it. I'm not privy to where that decision is at this point in time. Now, I want you to think 
if there was a war started, inflation that we're about to talk about, because it goes right with us with gas prices through the roof, $3 a gallon where I live. Just, I mean, we're talking, it's gone up 75 cents since he took office. Now there's empty gas stations. We've driven cars and then fill them up so we can park because all around us, it's slowly working in to our west where we went yesterday. Literally, there's there's no gas. I-40, no gas. I mean, it got up to Virginia before they even said anything because Virginia is a blue state and we care about it. Then you got Biden saying more education. We just need more education. What would be happening under a Trump Mr. Mean tweet of a bitch got on TV and smirked as people are gasless, can't get to work, everything costs more money. And then what would happen to Trump if he went on TV and said, you're going to have good news within 24 hours, and we find out that they were trying to do their backups, but they actually paid the ransom. To get it back on. So we gave $5 million to some people. And there's shit all over Twitter. People are like, oh, thanks. The Republicans would have done a cyber attack. Wouldn't have stopped this. Nothing you did in a bill just a couple weeks ago would stop this. It's the fucking Russians or whatever. And people are like, well, why, why, don't, why don't we have these bright people finding out who did this and punish them? Because they're not Republicans. That's why. If these, these were Republicans or Boogaloo Boys or Proud Boys or One Percenters or it was Donald Trump mega person who hacked this pipeline, we'd have that motherfucker strung up by now, but they're not, so they don't care. It's not a glitch. It's part of the program. This is what they want. Cyber expert blasts Biden White House for suggesting private companies might considering paying the ransom design because they did nothing to help them. I could play that whole sound by the lady going, this isn't our business. We, we don't do this. And as the compute consumer price index came out and everything was way worse than they said it was, you got this shit. Oh, I'm fucked up. Hold on. I'm totally fucked up. I forgot I flipped ahead. So the inflation part was a nothing burger, but it was sort of a White Castle slider. Not a very big deal. Gallup News. U.S. consumer price increased 4.2% in April compared with a year ago. In 2020, before this increase, one of five Americans already reported struggling to afford food at some point in the past 12 months. On Twitter, gas shortage, Biden gas shortage, Carter administration 2.0. These weren't conservatives. Everybody was like, okay, this is, this is bad. This is really bad, but they'll spin anything. We will see as we go into immigration, as we go into every subject, math is something they're not very good at. They're not good at math because math just gets in the fucking way of shit. Math is too important, and uh, it's it's racist, because you know it's racist. We all know math is racist. It's always been fucking racist. And we need to, yeah, we, we just we just need to get education. Or we, we need to, uh, we need, well, it's because it's racist. Uh, we need to get the systemic buy. We need to use equity. We need to, uh, uh, yeah, those numbers aren't right. Oh, that's not really that bad. Guys, I said it was going to be a long walk. I, 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 oh, bah, uh, none of this, not 
anything I spoke to for this part of the podcast would not be on the feet of Donald Trump. We just did an election where they literally said he killed 500,000 people. Then he came out with a vaccine, and now we say Biden saved America because he rolled out the vaccine a little bit better than the previous guy was doing a million shots a day. Those are just facts. But we don't talk about facts. We polish turds. Here's rooters. Just take those two things and think about it for a second. If Trump fell going on Air Force One and we now had skyrocketing fucking inflation, what would the headlines be? What would they be? But they're spinning it. They're just spinning. Everything is spun. It's not that bad. Oh, it, it, it just, it shit happens. New York Times, absolute garbage liars. New York Times blasted for gaslighting like nobody's business and desperate peace, whitewashing obvious gas shortage. They have rolled everything out just to say, oh, that's not a big deal. It's okay. Somebody's respond. Coastal North and South Carolina gas stations are out, have long lines running low. Maybe do a bit of research. Because their article, Colonial Pipeline, a vital U.S. fuel artery that was shut down by a cyber attack, said it hoped to restore more operation by the end of the week. Since the shutdown, there have been no long lines or major price hacks for gas. Here's what you need to know. That came on May 11th, two days ago. It was already a lie. By the time they hit send, it was a lie. Here's Tom Blevins. How far a WAPO person will go. Let's just remove a couple of key drivers of inflation so the numbers don't look as bad as we shall we. This kind of stuff drives me crazy. Media going out of its way to soften blow of bad news for Biden when four years they would, on a daily basis, do the opposite for Trump. Inflation looks even tamer after removing the effects of volatile gasoline and food prices. This is how they're just out of touch. What's the most important thing to you? Gas and food. If you're a poor person, gas to get to the job to buy gas and food. I remember using pennies in my 67 Chevy when it was a dollar a gallon. Coasting that motherfucker in to fill it up. Just coasting it. I don't know if I got any more of his thread. I'll sleep that. Inflation looks a lot tamer when removing the effects of things people actually need to buy. This is like when people talking about elections say, well, if you take out California, but who really needs, you know, food and gas? See, if you take out the stuff people buy on a daily basis, well done, WAPO, because this is the world we live in now. Nothing's his fault. There'll be a butt Trump in a couple days. It'll happen. 
They'll play with the numbers and make it look like it's not that bad of a deal. You're just you're you just don't like them. You're a you're a fucking insurrectionist. You're a seditionist. You're a racist. You're something. You're just you're just something. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm gonna play these now. I mean, it just it totally sums it up. You're gonna get uh, CNBC saying we got stagflation. Do see. Um, are McCain getting bashed because you talked about gas prices and New York covers for Biden's bad job numbers because we're still doing that after like a week and so. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And boy, what a wild ride yesterday for the markets. If you weren't paying attention, you missed out. Let's take a look at what happened with yesterday's volatile session. This was one of the wildest days for the year for stocks. Big tech, you know, we were here yesterday morning and we were looking at stocks, those big tech stocks especially, that were under big pressure. Now, they did take a big hit at the start of the day, and then the selling spread to the rest of the market as the day went on. But then there was this crazy late twist where the tech shares rebounded, coming almost all the way back and in some cases even into positive territory, but they left the rest of the market in the red. In fact, take a look yesterday at this intraday chart of the Dow versus the NASDAQ kind of tells you everything that happened. The NASDAQ dragging everything down, but then right around 11 a.m. or so, things started to pick up, and then it was really at the end of the session where things looked so strong, but again, the Dow getting left behind. Dow actually finished down by about one and a third percent for the day. NASDAQ was only down by 12 points when the closing bell rang. S&P was down by about 36. And it was those big tech names, once again, that really were the ones to focus on. Amazon and Netflix both finished the day higher by more than 1%. Facebook reversed losses to close slightly higher. And it was, again, really something to watch. Saw Netflix up by about 1.7%. Uh, Tesla shares have been down really sharply. They came back to just a little bit down by the end of the day. And if you check out the U.S. equity futures this morning, things are shaping up to be an interesting day once again. Dow futures indicated down another 106 points. Yesterday, by the way, was the weakest day for the Dow since February. Uh, Home Depot was the biggest drag. It was down by about 69 points. This morning, S&P is indicated down by about 14 points, again, after losing 36 points yesterday. And the Nasdaq is into down is indicated down right now by about 75 points while all this was happening treasury markets basically crickets you didn't see much activity many things happening there if you check out the treasury yields this morning you're going to see that the 10-year is yielding 1.615 percent of course people had been talking about inflation and that being a big interest rate interest point but that's very kind of crazy that uh, the Treasury market didn't pay much attention to any of it. However, inflation is going to be in focus once again with today's Squawk Planner. We're going to be getting consumer price index data for April. That's coming at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Economists expect an increase of two-tenths of one percent for March. That is compared with pandemic weekend prices of last April, and the expectation, the expectation of the year-over-year gains is 3.6%. If that's the case, that would be the biggest jump since 2011, and that's why this morning with the Squawk Stack, we're focusing once again on some of those commodity prices that have been uh, running up ever so sharply. Copper, we told you yesterday, had closed Monday at an all-time high. It was up another 1% yesterday. That's four out of five sessions that it's been higher, uh, and it's indicated it's trading up again this morning by about half a percent. Then there's crude oil, which uh, yesterday was up another half a percent, and this morning it's up another six-tenths of a percent to 65.70. Finally, take a look at soybeans, uh, up another 1.75 percent, highest level for the close for soybeans yesterday since September of 2012. 
And guys, I wanted to throw another couple of things in here. The volatility index up by 2.8%. The VIX was at its highest level since March 10th yesterday. And then the dollar index ended down a little bit yesterday. In fact, for the year, the dollar has now given back all of its gains. And you can't help but think that uh, Stan Druckemiller and the comments he had about the dollar had some sort of an impact of what was taking place there. People really considering these things, looking at the dollar and wondering what's going to happen next. Yeah. Soybeans. <laughs> Sixteen dollars, sixteen dollars and forty-two cents. That is, uh, I remember thirteen and fourteen. But you hear my reference to the seventies. Uh, Andrew's next story about the pipeline. I mean, I don't think you guys remember, and you're lucky you weren't around in the seventies because if you were, you're old. But no, I do remember in the back of the station wagon, waiting in line. You needed odd and even license plates, depending on when you could go get it. But exactly, so th which day you could go? This is the deja vu. Right. This is the deja vu. It is a fact that there's a, a shortage in labor supply. Elizabeth Bumiller. I mean, there. Are, if you look around, ask around, talk to people. If you read about it, you know, restaurant owners say a job that would usually bring in a hundred applications, a couple trickle in. Some people have moved on to different careers or changed their lives during the pandemic. But many people are not accepting a job in this moment, at least that will pay them less than they're currently getting from the federal government. Right. There's also just, I think, you know, Biden made the point that this is not just about those that enhanced unemployment check that people are getting and the stimulus. It's also about fear of just going back to going sure. back into the economy, going back into crowded restaurants. And these job numbers were very interesting, though. There was an uptick in the number of restaurant jobs. There was a loss of jobs in grocery stores. And so the question is, are people not shopping for groceries as much anymore? Are they going to restaurants? It was the White, the White House was very blindsided by those numbers. Um, they were throwing out their talking points and rewriting them very quickly last Friday because it was not at all what they expected. And there is a sense that there was a lot of there was a, the numbers were very were, were a real fluke. They could be adjusted next month and it could be a very different story. But for now, of course, the Republicans had a field day and said this is because those unemployment benefits are much too generous and people uh, just don't want to return to work. But I do think it's more complicated than that. We have cameras today in Texas that are showing humongous groups of dozens or hundreds of migrants walking right into the country. So I'm curious what you meant last week when you said the border is closed. Uh, the board, what I meant is um, uh, precisely that the border is closed. Uh, we are expelling uh, single adults and families. Obviously, we have the acute issues with the colonial pipeline ransomware attack, but looking more holistically in a macro view, how does this speed up the efforts at DOE to move in more of a renewable direction since this is going to have an impact on people at the pump? Yeah, I mean, we obviously are all in on making sure that we meet the president's goals of getting to 100% clean electricity by 2035 and uh, net zero carbon emissions by 2050. And, um, you know, if you drive an electric car, this would not be affecting you, clearly. The state of California right now is, net, is projecting a budget surplus of roughly $76 billion, such that the governor of that state is now wanting to hand uh, to deliver checks of roughly $600 to everybody making less than $75,000. As you know, this all comes against the backdrop of those $350 billion from the American Rescue Plan being handed out to states and, and local governments. So did the White House overestimate how much money would be needed? California itself gets $42 billion out of the deal. Is the White House rethinking their opposition to new pipeline projects since one really important one goes offline and gas stations start running dry? 
I wouldn't say we look at it as it, through that prism, Peter. If the solution for this pipeline going offline is for oil producers to start using rail cars and oil tankers as uh, floating storage and uh, for the EPA to start letting gas stations sell lower quality fuel that is not as clean burning, uh, how is the president showing U.S. climate leadership. Is the CDC making it harder for you guys to convince people to get vaccines and to wear masks when they've created this impression that up to 10% of COVID transmission occurs outdoors, even though there's this New York Times report now where they say there's not a single documented COVID infection anywhere in the world from casual outdoor interactions. The then president-elect said in January, I've always said that the Biden-Harris administration will lead with science and truth. Which one is it here? I barometers off. I can't tell if this is an important story to me because of my history in the Republican Party or if this is actually a story average Americans care about. What I do know average Americans care about is that today the gallon of gas average price is $3.01 and last year it was $1.85. What Americans care about are some of these things that are finally hitting home and meat and potatoes, easy things for people to understand. I just saw a tweet that we had to put an alert out telling people well, not nah. to fill plastic bags up with gas. Like that we have was... a gas shortage in America. It's like like the 70s and the Carter administration yeah. again. So, so let's, let's, let's let... I- Her quote. Her quote. We're built for this. We're built for this. It, uh, just don't believe your eyes. Shut your fucking mouth. Just shut your fucking mouth, bigot. We got to get equity. And to get equity, we need unity. And we need unity by you getting a green car and getting rid of your gas car and stop eating beef. You fucking bigot. And the, the Ducey clip, it, which, which is it? Science? Oh, we're going to nail that today because we clearly aren't using science. Truth? No. We're, we're never truthful on anything. And they're no different than any other fucking administration. But the problem is, for four years, we, we were on fire. Was, oh, my God, those fucking liars. We got 7,000 fucking vaccines. Oh, my God, they're the worst. They're the worst. We're not going to do it anymore because Biden's so truthful. Yeah. Okay. Let's check that truth out. Migrant children held in mass shelters with little little oversight. AP. Blockbuster. But what did you see over here? Uh, let's look at this. We analyzed CBP data for 2012 and said, it's, it, there's no change. There's nothing going on. It's all a lie. Hmm. Let's look at numbers. Let's get math. Long lines. Uh, Hamas shooting a thousand. They don't do math. Because math is racist. We know that. We all know him as racist. It's fucking racist as a motherfucker. That's a huge fucking difference. That's just all we know. If you're our immigration system, because of Democrats now who have changed the Democrats before that used to want walls, because how the fuck you think we got walls? You only know what you capture. So if we've gone from 17,000 to 178,000, that is not seasonal. Unless you're saying, and nobody's put it out there because they all said Donald Trump was a xenophobic cocksucker who was ripping mothers out of people's wombs. Not just chests. Wombs. 
and separate them before they're even born. It's math. It's math. There's just story after story after story. The same guy on videos taking people over, Coyote. Kids found in a fucking goddamn a baby. Lines of babies and kids. They're not stopping, stopping, but they get on TV and they're like, oh, we closed the border. Really? I'm not even playing the videos because if you've been watching the news, you know it's, it, it's a lie. It's all a fucking lie. It's all a fucking lie. They've been lying and lying. You know, here, here's a Bill McGoon. 50 motherfuckers. Videos. Kids found in the fucking woods. Camelia Harris blasted Trump admin for using COVID as an excuse to close the border. Now the Biden administration is, that's what they're saying due to COVID. They keep changing what they're saying. I didn't cover this on the show, but I got one of these. Biden sends letters to COVID aid recipients after Democrats railed on Trump for signing checks. Do we remember this? That was huge. But if you read this article, they got Trump in it more than Biden. They have Trump in it more. Every fucking thing you'll see here, that tweet by fucking Maddow, everybody, Crystal, all you never-Trumpers, all sharing it, it's a lie. It's just a lie. Here's Crystal's. Uh, the Trump administration oversaw record in apprehensions in fiscal 2019. <laughs> April, 178,000. March, 173,000. It's a 3% increase, uh, a 13 in, or 3% increase from March to April, but a 61% decrease of media coverage because they knew it was bad. So they stopped doing it. They just, they just dumped it. We, We don't want it anymore. And then you get this kind of bullshit for COVID. With regard to camp, I have a 16 year old every day, every year he comes home from camp and he writes the number of days until he returns to camp. The next does not doing gain of function research. And if it is, it's according to the guidelines and it is being conducted in North Carolina. You don't think inserting a bat virus spike protein that he got from the Wuhan Institute into the SARS virus is gain of function. That is not a minority because at least 200 scientists have signed a statement from the Cambridge Working Group saying that it is gain of function. Well, it is not. And if you look at the grant and you look at the uh, progress report, The CDC is greatly exaggerating the risk of COVID-19 transmission outdoors, claiming there's a roughly 10% chance when in reality the figure is less than 1%. It's actually 0.015 of a percent. 
The higher federal figure seems to be a huge exaggeration, Dr. Miguel Cervic, a top infectious disease doctor at the University of St. Andrews in Scotland, told the New York Times. Dr. Aaron Richerman of the University of Pennsylvania added, I'm sure it's possible for transmission to occur outdoors in the right circumstances, but if we had put a number on it, it would be much less than 1%. 1%. They lied. And I want to know when didn't they lie? When? That didn't come from the Daily Wire. That's the New York fucking Times. Never Trumpers and liberals love that fucking thing. So you start this with, it's not a big deal, go to Chinatown. Which probably gets a lot of blue people fucking dead. Don't wear a mask. You gotta wear a mask. You gotta wear a mask everywhere. You gotta wear two masks. You gotta wear a mask outdoors. You gotta wear a mask when you're working out. Oh yeah, we lied. You don't have to wear a mask going out. You need to wear a mask if you're vaccinated. You need to wear two masks if you're vaccinated. You're not really vaccinated. Why aren't you getting your vaccine? And you wonder why people are just doing this. They What the fuck? Nothing you guys say. It's true. Here's an actual thing. Biden voting posting had a Twitter account that would autom- automatically rebut Trump tweets. I have over 1,000 followers, but no idea what to do now. And then you get to this. These are the numbers blown up. And then during all of this, CNN spends literally three times more in 12 hours on Lynch Cheney than the economic crisis, gas shortages, or blaming Israel for Hamas tossing rockets on them. That's all they talk about. And from a break, because you've seen a lot of it, Liz Cheney got booted in case you lived under a rock, because this is all the media wants to talk about. Think how far the Republican Party has fallen, that now not only do they accept people committing insurrection and sedition against our government, not only do they accept the President of the United States committing a fraud, a big lie on our democracy, which we treasure Not only are they doing that, they're continuing to sit silently as they oust a truth teller. Savannah Guthrie did sit down with Liz Cheney. We now have part of that interview. Let's play it for you. Are you the leader of the opposition in exile right now in the Republican Party? I I intend to be the leader, uh, one of the leaders, in, in a fight to help to restore our party, in a fight to bring our party back to substance and principle. Uh, and in a fight to to make clear that we won't participate in in a really dangerous effort that's underway. A lot of people frame this as a battle for the soul of the Republican Party. This is the, I think, opening salvo in that battle. And, and it's a battle we have to win um, because it's not just about the Republican Party. Uh, it's about the country. The Trump political team is actively looking to coalesce around a primary challenger to you. What is your message to them? You know, uh, bring it on. 
uh, embrace the big lie and embrace the Constitution. And going forward, uh, the nation needs it. The nation needs a strong Republican Party. Uh, the nation needs a party that, uh, that is based upon fundamental principles of conservatism. And I am committed and dedicated to ensuring uh, that that's how this party goes forward, and I plan to lead the fight to do that. I will do uh, everything I can to ensure uh, that uh, the former president never again gets anywhere near the Oval Office. We have seen the danger uh, that he continues to provoke with his language. Uh, we have seen his lack of commitment and dedication to the Constitution, uh, and I think it's very important that we make sure whomever we elect is somebody who will be faithful to the Constitution. Last question, last I do not. I think that uh, it is uh, an indication of where the Republican Party is, uh, and I think that the party uh, is in a place that we've got to bring it back from, and we've got to get back to a position where uh, we are a party that can fight for conservative principles, that can fight for substance. We cannot be dragged backward uh, by uh, the very dangerous lies of a former president. Thank, Thank you. Do you notice the first place she went was MSNBC? Jake Tapper. Liz Cheney has been ousted for position of House GOP. Axios. Jake Sherman. Haley Bird Witt. Kyle Griffin. Just tears. They, they can't believe it. Just, oh my God. They just can't. Savannah Guthrie just sat down with Representative Liz Cheney for an exclusive interview on NBC News. Jake Sherman. And there it is. Liz Cheney has a massive, massive platform now. She's now a national figure who continues to say she chose country over party. The House Republican Conference Chair doesn't get a Savannah Guthrie interview, but an ousted Republican Conference Chair does. Yes. Yes, she does. Because they love her. Mediaite, Liz Cheney, booed by colleagues for last stand against Trump. Trump, 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 Trump. Dana Loesch calls out Liz Cheney for a weird focus while things are going to hell. Axios, Liz Cheney, today we face threat America's never seen before. A former president provoked a violent attack on the Capitol in an effort to steal election has resumed as an aggressive effort to convince Americans the election was stolen from him. I know facts are really tough, but Hillary Clinton did the same thing. You have about as much evidence he incited that riot that was already pre-planned, that killed nobody, and trespassed as HRC to this day, the media, to this day, Russia Gate stole the election. She still believes election was stolen, and we did have violence, and we had anti-fascist groups all over the place protesting, burning shit. Where the fuck you think Antifa came from? HRC's mouth. It's not my fault you don't like facts. We have a fat, obese... I'm going to play it for a comedy today. Unelected person who writes sex novels, walking the country, rigging elections, chaining any voting laws, totally taking over the Georgia voting laws so bad we have to have the voter reforms that were Jim Crow. 
but we're actually more strict than Democrats. Abrams, to this day, under testimony, says her election was stolen. But that's all this woman talked about. Considering the news, Hamas attacking Israel, Colonial Pipeline, and possible Russian involvement, jobs numbers, and basic soft launch at UBI making headlines, this seems like a weird focus. Another person, so much major news going on, I flipped to CNN and it's all about Liz Cheney. Border crisis, gas lines, inflation, economic stagnation, kids still out of school, rocket attacks in Israel, and on and on and on. If you're Republican under the dome, not talking about any of this today, you're weakening your country. But why do you think, and why am I so upset about it? Because Republicans didn't have a choice. They had to fucking get rid of her, because that's all she'll talk about. She won't move forward. You can think Trump is the worst thing ever. You can think the sedition or insurrection or terrorist attack or whatever the fuck you guys call it that still to this guy in his little bunker looks way less worse than federal building, courthouses, police stations, whole fucking cities raised like Attila the motherfucking Hun came through for a whole summer. We're moving forward. They all were saying we're moving forward. She wasn't. She sounded like more of a Democrat than Democrat. She sounds like she needs to go to fucking CNN. Because that's where she belongs. She sounds like a CNN host. Let's not talk about how fucking horrible the Biden administration is. How extreme their policies are. How they fucking lie every 2.0 seconds with math. I mean, they just can't. Be factual. No, we're going to talk about January 6th, and we need a 9-11 commission, and we need to find out who knew and who didn't know. And I'm going to make sure Donald Trump's not the president. Here's a fucking news news flash butt face. He's not going to be the president. Because he's in fundraising, Barack Hussein Obama hasn't been president for five years. He's still in fundraising for the Democrats. Biden could be impeached tomorrow. They will still use him in fundraising. They always use the ex-president. And and then at the same time, all this is going on, and the never-Trumpers are gnashing teeth, and Donald Trump, and I'm going to leave the party, and there's a new New York Times story, a hundred Republicans are all leaving, and it's headed by Evan McMillan, a guy who's not a Republican. Totally not a Republican. They're simultaneously reporting nobody's reading his blog. But you people! I don't know anybody who even has looked at it. I've never seen a retweet of it. I haven't seen any. And I have people that are mega that I follow. 
They idolize this fucker. They're not putting out what he's saying. They don't even know what he's saying. Nobody's going to his website. You're doing those articles at the same time. He's controlling the Republican Party. This is all a smokescreen. And the problem is Liz Cheney wanted to be part of that smokescreen because she hates her own party. She needs to change parties. She has 19% fucking approval. The leadership said, shut your fucking hole and let's move forward and stop this crazy old bastard that 126 ex-generals and admirals warn about Biden. U.S. is in deep peril, health concern, seven red flags emerging. This is one of those articles that we saw every two seconds, and every now and then got out the KY and went, yeah, 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 yeah. The same generals that she got to sign letters to try to stop him from pulling out of fucking of Afghanistan, but didn't do when Biden's pulling out of Afghanistan, open borders. China's a great threat. Free flow of information is critical, but they're shutting it down. Reengaging a flawed Iran nuclear deal. Stopping the Keystone Pipeline. Using the military as a political pawn with thousands of troops deployed across the U.S. Capitol still. The rule of law. Was she part of that? No. No, she wasn't. Because she's still talking about January 6th. She was, yeah, I just changed shirts. It froze up. So, yeah, I don't think I'm doing, like, some stupid TikTok shit. All she talked about was January 6th. She was obsessed with January 6th. She was making her bones being about January 6th. And she hated her own party. She wasn't a leader in the Republican Party. She was a leader in the fucking Democratic Party. That's where she was. And I never heard her talk about this. It is called the For the People Act, but Republicans are warning it's actually a power grab by the Democrats. The GOP says this bill, SR1, would greatly expand the government's role in elections. Democrats say it will help protect the right to vote for all Americans. The legislative battle ahead brought the Senate Minority Leader out today to trade verbal blows with the Majority Leader. Correspondent Jackie Heinrich is following the action from Capitol Hill. Rarely is a bill markup in the Senate Rules Committee the setting for fireworks or even an appearance from a party leader. I want to be very clear today. Stop calling our democracy broken. But today, both as Democrats advanced a sweeping election reform bill and Republicans drew battle lines. The eyes of history are on all of you. The truth is quite simple. Our democracy is not in crisis. Democrats have made S-1, the For the People Act, their top priority amid a slew of new state election laws they say restrict voting access, especially for people of color, framing it as 21st century Jim Crow. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer tied GOP opposition to the bill to former President Trump. Don't tell us these laws are about voter fraud. Everyone knows that Donald Trump perpetrated the big lie. But unfortunately, it seems the price of admission in today's Republican Party is silence in the face of provable lies. Minority leader Mitch McConnell shot back, calling it a politically motivated federal takeover of the election system. For multiple years now, Democrats have called this sweeping bill their top priority. This has gone from an election security bill to an ethics bill to a racial justice bill. Who knows what it'll be labeled tomorrow? 
The bill would dramatically expand the federal government's role in elections, creating automatic nationwide voter registration and expanding early voting, among other things. Republicans say it diminishes states' rights, guts popular safeguards against fraud like voter ID, and tilts the power of the Federal Elections Commission. But Democrats are urgently pushing forward while they maintain their narrow majority. And this is just the beginning of a marathon markup expected to continue tomorrow. Republicans have 150 amendments filed. But beyond that, its future is a lot less clear. Stacey Abrams is one of the country's best-known voting rights advocates, and she's also a prolific author. In her new thriller, While Justice Sleeps, a Supreme Court clerk has to unravel an international conspiracy that goes to the highest levels of government. And Stacey Abrams joins us now. Stacey, good morning to you. Uh, allow me to be the first person to read you a great New York Times review here that ends, Abrams has realized what surely was her chief ambition to entertain. That's good news. And we want to get to the book. But, but first, while we have you, uh, there are some twists and turns in our world as we live it uh, that I want you to comment on if you could. There are about 11 states right now in the country that have passed restrictions on voting that could have a big impact on 2022 and beyond. Uh, what concerns you most about what you're seeing right now? There is the issue of how it affects uh, trust in our elections, uh, in the, the act of democracy itself, and yet there's also the practical political implication. What does this mean, do you think, for 2022 for Democrats' chances? So, Jonathan Capehart, the vote was held and they tied nine to nine in the Rules Committee, which means under their rules that it does not go to the floor as amended. That amendment dies in committee. They can bring it up on the floor if they've got the votes. Um, what kind of a setback was this for the leadership? Um, it's a setback in the, in the sense that a, a, lot of, a lot of people in the country, particularly Democrats, want S-1, the For the People Act, to get passed as a way of blunting the impact of all of those laws that are being um, proposed and adopted in states around the country. I'm thinking of Georgia and Florida and what's going on in, going on in Texas, uh, just to name a few. Democrats are hoping that this bill gets passed and it becomes law to blunt that impact. And, you know, to hear Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell talk about um, Democrats wanting to do a power grab and upending democracy and that there's nothing wrong with our democracy is a load of hooey. I mean, our democracy is still on the brink as a result of what's happening. You know, once I said on air that these voter suppression laws are a solution in search of a problem. Every fucking time the media covers it, voter suppression laws are searching for a problem that's not there, but these are the same people that want to redo the whole thing. And there's my point with Stacey Abrams, Liz Cheney. All you Liz Cheney lovers, I mean, you got to move on. Trump's not going to be president. There are all sorts of people racing to the front. People are jerking off to DeSantis. People know the odds of Trump winning are slim. And the same people pushing this are the same people saying, well, he lost with 81 million votes because a bunch of uh, Republicans voted against him. So if that's true, why would the Republican Party put him up again? They're just doing what they have to do to break away from the old goddamn president. This is politics. The preceding president is still in charge of the party till somebody else comes forward and takes over the party. Usually the candidate for president. 
So all this is a lie. It's a smokescreen. And once again, Liz Cheney's part of it. She enjoys it. That's her focus, because she's a Democrat. She's not a Republican. And then we get into more media stuff as we just do some ash and trash and end this out. Kind of no pointed podcast. Hope it's not too loud. I'm kind of fired the fuck up. A 77-year-old white customer at Dunkin' Donuts was upset about something, and he called a black 27-year-old employee the N-word. The brother told him, say it again. The old man did. The old man did. The brother knocked him out. The old man fell, lost consciousness, and died. He fucked around and found out. If there was actual justice in the country as opposed to white justice, then if you want someone a minimum wage job and call them the N-word twice, whatever happened if that would be legally acceptable. The employee is facing a murder charge, which makes no damn sense. Black people, you're on the jury. The black defendant was all work. White customer called the N-word. Defendant knocked out the customer and he died. How are you voting? Not guilty. Nah. You call someone the N-word twice, you're taking your life for granted. I salute anyone who knocks someone out for that. How else would white people learn? Don't act like a punch was the first violent act that was a retort. That was self-defense. Calling someone the N-word is violence. It's self-defense. The N-word is not rude, it's a threat to my humanity, it's a disregard to my life, it's a reaction to my dignity, it's far beyond rude, it's a violent as language can be, fuck around and find out. Let's not lose sight of the fact that the man lost his life here, he called a black man the N-word twice and now he's dead. Serves him right, he fucked around and found out. I, I just... That guy is an NBC, MSNBC guy, but he got too crazy and they kicked him off. Which leads me into this. This is a plurality. Social media is tearing us apart. Not in this poll is the implicit media bias. Everywhere we turn, there is media bias. In fact, I'm going to say this. We're going to go into the Dewey Decimal. Dewey fucking decimal. This is the kind of shit we're finding on the internet. This is a real article. So our what's racist today, I should just fucking, well, you know, let's just be honest. We, we, we play this all the time, and I guess I should have had this just, just keyed up for it. Because this is the world we live in. We, we live in this world. Come on, external hard drive. I know. I know. It's it's not easy. Let's do it. Here we go. Yes, it is, because now we know the Dewey Decimal System is racist. This is a real article. I found numerous articles. I saw it on a show. Yeah. Let me blow it up so you can read This is This is Dewey himself. Yeah, he, he's a piece of shit. 
And then they find articles that Melvin Dewey co-founded the American Library Association was forced out because of offensive behavior. Dewey required applicants to School of Library Economy to submit photos. A Howard, a Howard University librarian reorganized Dewey's original system because it's racial bias. It was too Christian. You know, they fucking hate Christianity. Critics of the system would pe- prefer libraries take the Barnes and Nobles approach. This, this is what we deal with. This is the world we live with right now. And then we go through this stuff. Because that Tory guy, Liz Cheney not talking about this. No. Defund, massive crime spikes. New York City's like the 70s. Now he's integrating money. Liz Cheney wasn't talking about this. Fresh coat of yellow paint. The reason why that became something, because they paved it over. There was so much outrage. Oh, no, 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 no. New coat of paint got to come on out. We got to get to it. Oh, yeah, we do. Got to get to it. Liz Cheney wasn't talking about this. Read that. Mm -mm. Wasn't talking about that. That that wasn't important. That's not what we talk about. She wasn't talking about Attorney General Merrick Garland. Just in, Biden official testified that white supremacists are the greatest domestic security f- threat. Let me oh, let me just put my glasses on because I I, I want to. The Biden administration top law. Oh, hold on. Time out. Time out. I, I know you guys are probably kind of need a time out because you saw me doing whatever I was doing in my chair there. I don't know if that's dancing or having a seizure. Probably a seizure. I did pop the Vogue. Did you catch that? That was a Vogue. I think they called that the Vogue. Or Voguing. Some shit. Oh, God. Bless America. Hold on. The Biden administration top law enforcement official on Wednesday pledged to dedicate resources to combat domestic violent extremism and questions over whether the agency are equipped to monitor such threats in the wake of the January 6th Capitol riot. Yeah, she was talking about this. This is what she wants. This is what Democrats want. That's why Liz Cheney was talking about it. Garland dismissed concerns with Senator Richard Shelby, who asked whether the Justice Department was investigating the equal vigor protests in Portland, Oregon, and other cities that are often focused more on President Trump. Of course he did. Somebody reply, all 12 of them. Ah, but no Antifa or BLM have actually gotten people killed and done a billion dollar damage of property destruction. Fuck this guy. Remind me again which group rioted and burned American cities down all year? Okay, and the people who burned down police stations and federal courthouses? What, what about those people? Oh my fucking God. And conveniently, though, white supremacy can be defined however they see fit at any given moment, but mainly as anybody who dares to oppose the regime. You nailed it. It's an unknown boogeyman they continue to use to keep people frightened, so they will continue to vote Democrat. Just ask an Asian getting beat up in East or West Coast Democrat strongholds or the people fleeing the third world known as Portland or burnt out business owners in Minneapolis. Yeah, keep this narrative going so to distract and ignore the obvious destruction. Two California police officers were shot to death within 24 hours 
as cop killing rises. Two on-duty California police officers killed in 24-hour span this week as a number of police officers died in on-duty climb. Detective Luca Benedicia, a 12-year veteran of San Luis Obispo Police Department, was shot to death Monday after he and several others were executing a search warrant for stolen property in an apartment building. Dead and only 37 and leaves behind a wife and two kids. Detective Stephen Orozco, Orozco, another officer of the scene, was shot and wounded and is being treated. Now, they were Latino. You th- you think that would matter to you, but I, I guess it doesn't. According to the officer, down memorial pay, I'm sorry, just 30 hour, uh, thir- just hours later, 30-year-old officer Jimmy Inn of Stockton, he was a white guy, so that's okay. Nobody Nobody cares. Who shot was shot and killed while responding to a domestic violence call. His murderer reportedly shot him at the front door of the home. Then went back inside and attempted to strangle eight-year-old boy to death before he was tackled by another res- resident. And finally was shot and killed by another police officer. According to Officer Memorial Down Page, which tracks every death of police officers died in the line of duty as of April 27th, 124 cops have fallen while on the job so far. A little more than half of those, 64 to be exact, were deaths attributed to COVID. Another 23 were fatally shot, and the rest were hit, run over, vehicular assaults. We're not going to talk about that. Mm Mm-mm. Liz Cheney wasn't talking about Becerra repeatedly denies partial birth abortion. He just kept spouting, hey, Roe v. Wade established that this is all good. Abortion's legal. She wasn't start cha- talking about Instagram adds absurd feature to switch pronouns. She wasn't talking about what this mother was talking about. In the words of Martin Luther King Jr., I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Now I have a dream that we will implement love, not hate, or supporting another Jim Crow's agenda. CRT is not an honest dialogue. It is a tactic that was used by Hitler and the Ku Klux Klan on slavery very many years ago to dumb down my ancestors so we could not think for ourselves. CRT is racist. It is abusive. It discriminates against one's color. Let me educate you. An honest dialogue does not oppress. An honest dialogue does not implement hatred or injustice. It's to communicate with deceiving without deceiving people. Today, we don't need your agreement. We want action in the backbone for what we asked for today, to ban CRT. We don't want your political advertisement to divide our children or belittle them. Think twice before you indoctrinate such racist theories. You cannot tell me what is or is not racist. Look at me. I had to come down here today to tell you to your face that we are coming together and we are strong. This will not be the last. Greet and meet, respectfully. I never heard Liz Cheney talking about the teachers union, ever. And and to even Fox, to try to figure out how we get people vaccinated, how we get our kids back to school, and how we get our Let me ask you about vaccinations. Absolutely. I, everyone agrees on that score. I mean, we can we can discuss Absolutely. why it didn't happen a long time ago. Um, but God forbid, you know, I mean, now it's spring, right? School's almost over, and a lot of these kids are not back yet. Um, what will it take? You said it's time to go back. So are teachers going to require that all the students are vaccinated? And when is that going to be? Are you going to have everyone back in September, 100% in class, five days a week? I hope so. 
And will you require that every student who comes into the school is vaccinated? No. No, absolutely not. But that's why you have to still have some mitigation because it's only emergency use vaccination right now. But I would hope that Fox would do what everybody else in public health is doing, which is we have to get our kids vaccinated once the vaccination is okay. I would hope Fox says to all these people that don't want the vaccines, that think there's a problem, mm -hmm. why don't you and I do things together to get our kids back to school? This is what we need to do. We have to stop the misinformation. We have to stop the disinformation. Yeah. We have to well, stop the chaos. She wasn't talking about that. Those are what voters are upset about right now. This is what her voting base cares about. They're not Democrats of the media and still concentrating on January 6th, a terrible incident that killed nobody. Nobody got murdered. Nobody was armed. Nobody was gored with fire extinguishers. It was trespassing and hooliganism. But on certain streets that nobody wants to talk about, that's never Trumpers like Liz Cheney, people are still burning and beating and fucking shit up. We've had all these cops die. We've had a couple people shot, usually armed. That's all we talk about. We don't even report cops getting shot. We don't even get the background on why these people were accosted by the police. Because we just lie. We just lie and lie. And, and then you have this story. This story. Reporters fume at White House quote approval rule. Welcome to Politico West Wing Playbook, your guide, the people, blah, blah, blah. If you read a quote from an administration official newspaper or a wire story recently, there's a good chance that the White House communication team had an opportunity to edit it first. That's because the Biden White House frequently demands that interviews with administration officials be conducted on grounds known colloquially as background with the quote approval, according to five reporters who cover the White House. In practice, that means the information from an interview can be used in the story, but in order for the person's name to be attached to the quote, the reporter must transcribe the quotes they want and then send them to the communication team to approve, veto, or edit. West Wing Playbook must make a confession here. We have participated in such arrangements, too. The other week, the White House asked for background, quote, approval for the interview with White House Communication Director Katie ben Benenfield and Vinjay Reddy, um, and speechwriter Vinjay Reddy, close to the deadline, and with our editors giving us a side-eye about filing late, we agreed. The practice allows the White House an extra measure of control as it tries to craft press coverage. At its best, quote, approval allows sources to speak more candidly about the work. At its worst, it gives public officials a way to obfuscate or screen their own admission and words. The Biden White House isn't just the, isn't the first to do it. Many reporters say it's reminiscent of the highly controlled Obama White House. The Trump White House used it too, but then they ignored it and didn't do it. Of course, they don't put in there. All a pundit. Reporters will let White House officials edit their own quotes. I wonder if the New York Times will re-up this. In a new policy, the Times forbids after the fact, quote, editing that was during Trump. 
from 2012 and a new policy that times forbids after the fact, quote, approval. Imagine being an outlet like Politico and admitting that you agreed to this bizarre arrangement and they admit allow the White House an extra measure of control it tries to craft press coverage. Biden's team, which always used the tactic during the campaign, but no one reported then? Reporters fume at White House a quote proof. No, they don't. Good times. Yes, but I'm sure they gave the Trump White House the same courtesy. Ha! I crack myself up. And then Pasaki says this. They're never going to satisfy the White House press corps and their desires for access. And I think there have been mistakes made in the past of trying to do that. If you do a press conference, you know, every other week or once, that doesn't satisfy them. They're going to push for more. That's their job. What we've tried to do, which has also been maddening, I know, for the press corps at times, is kind of not get pulled in by distraction. He likes the press corps and likes that back and forth and that engagement. But what we've tried to do in general and thinking about how we use his time is really think about what the public cares about, right? The public cares about the pandemic, the economy. I never heard you talk about that, Liz. I just didn't hear you talk about this. It wasn't something you care. Your voters care. They watched a president they voted for either because he was better than HRC or they supported him. And they watched him get torn apart. Sometimes it's his own fault because the way he treated the press. I'm not saying he was a fucking angel. I'm just saying we've never had president press coverage like we just did the last four years. And now we're back to the Obama years where they're prostate licking their taint. And then we have this is America. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America. 2021. Just look at what happened with Republicans in Virginia, where an exceedingly bizarre and Trump-infused convention ended up having to choose a gubernatorial nominee in Glenn Youngkin, who found himself campaigning on the issue of election integrity. And he's one of the Republicans that refuses to say whether or not Biden won the election legitimately. Youngkin got Trump's complete and total endorsement today. Democrats have already said in the Virginia race they are going to play up January 6th and play up Trump's attacks on democracy in their campaigns. Northern Virginia takes this personally. This race could show us how much of a motivator that issue is. What's interesting about the new Republican nominee, just look at what happened with Republicans in Virginia, where an exceedingly bizarre and Trump-infused convention ended up having to choose a gubernatorial nominee in Glenn Youngkin, who found himself campaigning on the issue of election integrity. And he's one of the Republicans that refuses to say whether or not Biden won the election legitimately. Youngkin got Trump's complete and total endorsement today. Democrats have already said in the Virginia race they are going to play up January 6th and play up Trump's attacks on democracy in their campaigns. Northern Virginia takes this personally. This race could show us how much of a motivator that issue is.
What's interesting about the new Republican nominee is that he's somebody who I think is trying not to be very Trumpy, but he had to he ended up embracing the two, you know, one or two issues that Trump cares about the most. And or it's like they they had to do the minimum to get his endorsement, which already may be too much to win in Virginia. Now, you have said and this made headlines that you are not interested in interviewing or having somebody on the show who uh, promulgates the lie that the election was a fraud or that the January 6th uh, insurrection was not such. Like, are, yeah, you not are you surprised that that made news that you said, I'm not interested in those yeah. people? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's not a policy, right? I haven't booked any of them, but it's not like I'm saying I never will because I have no idea what tomorrow's news is going to be. But as a general principle... This is a lie that is demonstrably false, has been thrown out by Republican governors, Republican election officials, Republican appointed judges, the U.S. Supreme Court, all evidence. Uh, and we know that it is a dangerous lie that has led to death. The Chuck Todd clip is exactly Democratic talking points. That's what they're saying online. He said them verbatim. And there's your... Jake Tapper, I'm not going to have GOP because they're all fucking liars. Except Liz Cheney. Because she's a Democrat. Well, at least she speaks like one. Even though last year she was a piece of fucking filth. But just like Romney, just like fucking McCain, just like all these people were. But I'll close the loop in a second. Let's do some fun. This is pretty funny. I have two funnies. Um... Here they both are. A lot of men say that they're out here fighting for equality. But we've made the decision to fight for total equality in every way. Hey, babe, just checking in, seeing how that deck's coming. Well, it's great that women occupy 65% of PR jobs. We still live in a world where only 14% of Alaska crab fishermen are women. And 10% of roadkill removal specialists. Women are perfectly capable of things other than marketing, and they have every right to be down there mining coal with the boys. 50% of coal miners should be women minimum. It starts at home, whether it's mowing the lawn or building furniture. We've both been doing our Part. She actually put me on an allowance, which is pretty sweet. I've never paid for a meal ever. You want to play Call of Duty tomorrow? My schedule is wide open. We can do whatever. Some fake male feminists like to celebrate the fact that women occupy the majority of life coaching positions. Well, there's still only 3% of brick masons. Still a lot of work to be done. I encourage any man who cares to enroll his wife in a brick mason apprenticeship. Don't let her quit her other job, though. She can do it on the weekends. I promise you she can handle it. She's stronger than you think. I think you're going to probably have to pay that one. You know I quit my job. Babe, I support you in both of your careers. Some people think it's weird that I stay at home with the dogs while she's working on a steel mill because they're afraid of a working woman. Newsflash, women are going to be in the workplace. Especially this woman, because I've racked up quite a bit of debt. And don't get me started on the fact that 89% of cell phone tower climbers are men. We offer subsidies for women in entertainment, but when it comes to climbing a cell phone tower, suddenly they're on their own. Here's a list of grants for female filmmakers. Now here's a list of grants for female oil rig workers. Women can and should be rig pigs, especially the butch ones. But hey... Maybe that's just me who cares. Only 24% of morticians are women, but I guess I'm the crazy one for thinking women are perfectly capable of morticianing. And a mere 3% of plumbers? That's what happens when our children see Mario and Luigi instead of Marjorie and Louise. My ex-girlfriend was discouraged from plumbing, and because of that, she had to rely on me to pay for meals at restaurants. I stand for that no longer. Could do brunch first. No, let's do brunch on Tuesday. Spread it out a bit. I want the patriarchy dead. 
and me dead asleep while my partner is shoveling snow in the middle of December. My wife's texting me. She says we need to talk. Yeah, she probably wants to talk about the fact that 90% of whale snot collectors are still men. Or 94% of porta potty cleaners. Are you willing to step up or are you too entrenched in gender norms? Total equality and... Fellas, it's time we made a comeback. Racism is hot. We practically invented it. So here's the plan. First, we'll start pushing for some a segregated drinking fountain. Actually, this might sound weird, but that's not racist anymore. Come again now? Segregation isn't racist. Can you believe that? But there are all kinds of new ways to be racist. Oh, uh, well, oh okay. Well, I can't wait. 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 This this my curiosity. Well, okay, Glenn, let's hear it then. Next time you see an African-American, you tell him this. You don't see color at all. That sounds not racist. It's racist now. Can you believe that? We can be racist and congenial all at the same time. I'm not so sure. Wait, wait, I got more. If you see a person of Japanese descent, you mispronounce his name. So you're saying the next time I talk to Takahashi down the street. Skip over that H, make it silent, bing, bang, boom, racism. This ain't a racism. What happened to good old fashioned hating people? The hating was the best part. It's exhausting. Now, we just say all lives matter and we're racist. But all lives don't matter. I know that, you know that, but if we want to compete in this new racist landscape, we got to get with the times. What about thinking the most qualified person for a job is a person who should be hired? Big time racism. What if I ask a black person to be quiet? Racism. Even though I work at the library? Still racism. Okay, what if I ask someone who is not white where they originally came from? We got ourselves a regular David Duke over here. What about wearing a Hawaiian shirt? Well, hey. Voicing a minority character on a hit animated TV show? Zekyle! Fall in love with an African-American woman? Have a long, fruitful marriage? And you're still white in that scenario? Yes, sir, just like Bill Burr. Racist! These ideas are A-OK. That's racist, too! What? Doing this with your hand. If you do this, you're racist. A-OK! 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 And now, you are diluting my racism, and I don't like it. Racism is hatred. It's looking down on someone as subhuman, simply on account of the color of their skin. You water it down like that, it becomes nothing. I mean, if everything is racist, nothing is. Have you guys heard about critical race theory? Get this, we don't have to do anything to be racist. CRT says we're racist simply because we're white. That's all it takes. CRT. That's no racism. It's pure laziness. Plain and simple. And I reject it. This here is for the black students. And this here is for the white students. Why? Because I'm racist. Come at me. Very forward thinking. I love this. Come on. Dynamic. <laughs> I know it almost goes without saying, but it's really true is that we absolutely, we adore Stormy. We love him so much and we're so proud of him and so proud of the, the choice that he has made. And, you know, I, 18 months ago, two years ago, if I'd heard this story from somebody else, I wouldn't have believed it. And I, mm -hmm. I mean that absolutely sincerely, I wouldn't have believed it. Yeah. I, I thought it was all made up. I thought it wasn't real. I thought the whole thing was, was made up by parents. But I absolutely, because I've seen it, I've experienced it and I've learned about it. I absolutely support what Stormy has, and that's has decided the thing, isn't it? to do. As a society, we tend to want to put people into a girl or a boy box. That just fits with what we know. That fits with how we sort of think she thinks she should It makes sense. It makes us feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. But that's not reality, actually, is it? For lots no, of children. It's not. And, um, and, and sorry, the, the thing is that so many people think that the biological sex and the gender is the same thing. Mm. I say including me. Two years ago, including me. 
and it's only when you realize that they're not the same thing mm. then you start to think well actually what like what stormy has decided and other children in the same position what what he has decided and we've supported yeah. should be that's the funny shit. I, I got the Matt and Oregon gave us. We need to start back up races because it proves it. And then I throw in because I just, once again, this is our world. And you don't hear Liz Cheney or conservatives talking about it, but the people do. The morning, we love him so much. We're so proud of him. The choice that he's made at the age of two, Stormy told his family, I'm not a girl. I think I'm a boy. We speak to his parents, Matthew and Claire. I hope that their story helps raise awareness for other families. Two years old. He identifies as 16, so it was cool. Most of the sponsors are the same thing. It's just comedy. I identify as a rich person. But when I go to my bank, it's just not there. The problem we are having is the same problem we have every fucking time there's a Democrat. We just don't have a media. These 100 days, 110, whatever we're at with Biden, are fucking horrible. You can't say they're not horrible. Even if you hated Trump, you can't say it's not horrible. And you can't say it's Trump's fault that inflation's coming because Trump didn't pump $6 trillion in. Biden did. You can't say gas prices are up because Trump fault is Trump or it's the pandemic or it's some other excuse. It's Biden. If we're playing the rules the way you said and Donald Trump killed 500,000 Americans, I mean, fuck the other 70,000 under Biden. We're not going to count that shit. We don't even count cases or deaths or anything. Unless we're trying to prove the point that you need to still stay in your house so we can do HR1 and uh, have a crisis. I mean, do you notice they can't even say crisis unless they want to call it a crisis? Then they say they can handle a crisis, but then it's not a crisis. And then their media betters, like the Todds and the fucking Tappers, we're not going to talk to Republicans as they're all fucking liars, as the Democrats are lying. And more importantly, the media is lying for them. And do you, could you imagine, because I remember this under Obama, I remember Trump trying to do it, and then the media going, oh no, outrage, editing articles. Can you fucking imagine... Just this two hours, one year ago. No. This is what you get when you hire ideologues. Trump wasn't an ideologue. Trump was a narcissist. He was about Trump. His failings was he wanted to be in the media. He wanted the media adoration. He wanted media. And then when he couldn't get it, he just attacked him. And he made it worse. He mean-tweeted, which you guys are so bad. You know, all the never-Trumpers, the Democrats, I can sleep better at night. I'm listening to records again. I am enjoying my life because I don't have to worry about him dropping a bomb. While fucking bombs are dropping on Israel. And we don't even cover it. We blame Israel. I'm ending the show today on Granholm because that sums it all up. When you get Democrat fucking administrations, they don't care about parts of the country because they just want to punish them. They want them to be what they want them to be. 
So they don't give a fuck people are gasless right now. They don't give a fuck people are paying more for shit. They want to punish you. Because through punishment, you'll change. We'll indoctrinate you in grade school. We'll indoctrinate you in kindergarten. College is just a doctrination on how to be a fucking protester. That's all they're doing. And her smile says everything you need to know. It's so, I could have just shown that and just talked about everything else. Because it sums it all up. This is who they are. They hate the country, so why would they care with people struggling? Already struggling. They hate facts. They hate math. They won't admit that their policies are making people not want to go back to work. That's just a lie. It's a Republican talking point. If you're black and you don't vote for me, that's a Republican talking point. That's what the media is going to say. That's what they said in the last podcast. That's what they're always going to say. This is why this loser shout tower shooter suspect from a friend of mine voted for Trump. Because it may be worth seeing some mean tweets because the media is showing you because I wasn't watching them. It may be unprofessional of a president doesn't act all great. But I'd rather have that than a president I don't hear from who can't speak who fucking couldn't even talk about people he just talked to. He couldn't do a fucking website this week. He won't speak on anything, and he just spins back while the world's crashing. We need education. And all his people just go, we don't let him talk. And the media goes, okay, you guys can edit everything. And we're not going to have Republicans on. And we're just going to cover Liz Cheney, because we don't want to talk about the fucking shithole we are turning into. That's all preceded by the media and the Democrats saying, our country's garbage. We're going to train everybody it's garbage. We're going to say it's fucking garbage. We're going to place the voting block with fucking other voters who will vote for us for a while because we gave them citizenship. Fuck you. Fuck your car. Fuck your house. Fuck your life. You don't matter. We're doing unity and equity and catchphrases and bumper stickers. That's what we're going to do. Because we can. The only thing that stops them is participating. The media. Which was the biggest driver of why Donald J. Trump got my vote twice. At least then, I know what we're doing, and they stop the crazy. Now, they're all on board with the crazy, they're making the crazy, and they're making it crazier. They will fucking go back this summer to forest fires. You mark my words, under Obama, when shit was going to hell, motherfuckers were dying on buildings, everything was fucked up, he was sneaking money out to fucking Iran, we were starting on NBC Nightly News about the forest fires in fucking California, segueing into green energy shit and climate change. And then in the middle of the show, oh, today, uh, the Obama administration was caught fucking giving money to Iran. Not a priority. Not important. I was happy Liz Cheney's gone. The only way we take back the House is focusing on crafting a message to the American people 
saying, do you want more of this? Not talking about Trump. That's what the media and the Democrats want to do. Talk about Biden. And yeah, I'm a conservative independent, but I want the Republicans to stop the insanity. I've been looking for the, I'm trying to find the soundbite to be able to put that lady, stop the insanity, because that's all this is. It's insanity. When you put it against four years of Trump, this is just insanity. That they get away with all this shit, and all this crap happens the moment this guy becomes president. It's the same shit that happens with every Democrat. And then they spin it, and they say everything is great. It's all beautiful, and if you don't think it, you're just a fucking bigot. This administration shouldn't be in charge of a fucking ice cream stand. Not a truck, the little cart. Because when the ice doesn't get put in, and all the ice cream melts, they're just going to say, well, you didn't need ice cream because you're a fat ass. Because that's how they handle everything else. It's your fault, America. You shouldn't have a car. What the fuck is wrong with you and your car? Driving to work and paying taxes and shit. Go fuck yourself, you bigot. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please share this with family and friends. And send comments to FOPpodcast.com on the website. I went old school on that shit. You'll find this video and audio on FOPpodcast.com. All the other preceding video and audio with links to Rumble and SoundCloud. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yes. And now we're going to shoot for a Wednesday. So we're going to go for uh, 19 May, year of our Lord, 2021 for our next show. Y'all take care and thanks for listening.